Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So, uh, man, I'm walking down. It's like a residential trail. I'm still near stuff, but I have no idea where it goes. <laughs> it's real dark. This is weird. But this will have to do. So uh, I just thought I'd tell a little tale about uh, a nice little example of how important it is to write every day. Because that's kind of been my big thing, is that I think it's very important to sit down and spend some time writing every day, even if it's not a lot of time, just some time. And yeah, like each day's work doesn't have to be a ton. You don't need to stress yourself out. You just gotta make sure that you do it. And yesterday was a perfect example because somehow the day just kind of got away from me and uh, I was kind of worn out. I was just really not in the mood to do writing and I was kind of like, convincing myself like oh maybe I don't really need to today maybe I could take the day off and I tried to convince myself like well I'm thinking about it that's good enough right like I'm thinking about it but the actual act of sitting down and writing even if it's for a small amount of time it really is very different from just thinking about stuff and conceptualizing stuff or even planning stuff for tomorrow man I like this about uh this place, it's like, I don't know if I'm technically in Coquitlam or Port Moody. I'm somewhere in between the two. But it's a really cool neighborhood. There are so many paths and streams that just go through the houses in the neighborhoods. Like, I just left a McDonald's. Not a very glamorous writing thing today. The McDonald's was all that was open this late at night. So I got to sit in the scent of hamburgers and write. But, uh, but just across the street, I'm on this path. And this path, like, theoretically, I could take this way up into the mountains. It's a pretty cool place, but uh, yeah, yesterday I was downtown in Vancouver and the, uh, yeah, the day was getting late and I just, just felt like going home because I had to come back out here to Port Coquitlam. I had to go all the way to the end of the, uh, the SkyTrain line. I just kind of wanted to go home and bail out. I really just didn't feel like writing. And it is that thing too of even though I like writing and I like sitting down and working on stuff, I like it when I'm doing it, but I don't like the idea of it some days, you know, some days it's just really fighting back. It's just that, that eternal struggle doesn't necessarily make sense. You can't really outthink it or intellectualize it. It's just how it is. It's how it's always going to be. You just got to fucking bruise your way through it. You just got to push your way past. And I've had a few days since I've started working on this book that I missed a day. But that was part of the idea of starting this podcast. I haven't missed a day since I started this podcast. I'm hoping this podcast will have some uh, interesting shit for people, even if it is just kind of all-purpose inspiration to somebody in the future who just needs a little daily boost. Something to listen to while they're on their way to go do some writing, you know, someday in the future. But for me right now, the main benefit is that little extra push, just that little extra reason not to miss any more days. Man, I just went off the uh, path a little bit down to this creek and now there's just like a, a log. It's dark and this thing is wet. I'm not gonna try to walk across it, but <laughs> this is like, it's like I'm in fucking Tom Sawyer or something right now. 
kids that grew up in British Columbia, man, like they have no idea you know, how good they got it. To just think this is what life is like, man, the world is not this beautiful, not the parts I've seen. The integration between nature and city life in the greater Vancouver area, it's really crazy. So anyway, yeah, the podcast did its job yesterday because I'm like, I really can't skip the day. I mean, then what? <laughs> you know? Then I'm going to get on the podcast and explain how it's okay that I skipped the day, but it's not okay. Fuck that. So what I did is uh, there's this store on Robson Street that's like a, an Asian import store where you can get Japanese food. And they have these little cans, little can of matcha latte. And man, it's so good. It's probably sugared to pieces because the, the blends matcha latte I was talking about in a previous episode, you know, it's kind of bitter. It's a little rough where these things are just delicious. And uh, the label doesn't even say the grams of sugar. I'm sure it's fucking horrifying. But I got one of those. And then I walked down Denman to English Bay, which is one of my favorite parts of Vancouver, way back in like 2005. It's one of those things that's such a bummer to think back to because uh, me and the girl I was dating, we had an apartment all set we were going to move into that was right by there. And I was so like jazzed to live downtown and to live near English Bay. And it was a good deal. I mean, everything was cheaper in 2005, but the rent was only like $800. It was very tiny, but whatever. But then we broke up right before, <laughs> right before we moved in. And I was like, ah, oh, should I? Should I try to keep this place? But I found another place that was only 550 and I was like, well, I'll just take the 550 place. I can't pay $800 by myself. Nowadays, $800 is pretty normal for a month's rent for me. But back then, that seemed crazy. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer, not only to miss out on this cool neighborhood that I was wanted to live in, but also that was one of those relationships where I'm still on good terms with that girl. I haven't seen her in forever, but you know, we still talk once in a while. And nowadays, you know, I can look back on it more clearly and see how stressful it was and how many problems we were having. But there was a long stretch where I was like, oh, that's the one that got away. Despite the fact that I broke up with her because that's just how much of a dumb asshole I am. Oh, that's the one that got away. That's the mistake. That's the relationship that was the one that was as awesome. So when you combine that with like, oh, that relationship was so cool and that apartment was so cool. It was like this double whammy of nostalgia, boxing gloves, boof, boof, beating me up. That's something I should talk about sometime is that I've, I've escaped the clutches of nostalgia and uh, wasn't easy. I was a nostalgia monster for a long time, just kind of dwelling on the past and boohoo, things were so great back then. It's a much better feeling to <laughs> live in the present. But anyway, I like that neighborhood is the point. And I wrote a lot of my last book there. I would make it a routine to just like go there every day, sit on one of the logs on the beach, look out into the bay. It's fucking beautiful. So yesterday I went back out there, had my little fucking can of matcha latte, sat on one of the logs. It was a little cold because it's still not quite spring. I don't know, maybe technically it is spring, I don't know, but in Canada it's not spring until 
Doesn't feel like spring until it's summer, basically. Sat on the log, pulled out my phone. Oh, and that was the thing too. So even though I've got this next chapter all planned out and I got all these notes for it, but I'm gonna just try to kind of write it freehand and then refer to the notes later and see what I forgot. When I say freehand, I mean, I don't mean like with a pen and paper. <laughs> I'm still typing it into my smartphone. But you know, without following a guideline, is what I mean. I realized even while I was walking there, maybe this was a reason why my brain was rebelling against starting this chapter, is because I got all these notes and ideas for how it could go, but I didn't actually know how to start it. Just that basic thing of like, how does this even start? And stuff like that is deceptively tricky. Like I heard that's one of the reasons why William Gibson back in the Neuromancer days came up with so much net-based communication and net-based ways for people to interact with each other because the basic nuts and bolts of of describing the physical world he found really tough like just how do you I think I remember an interview where he said like how do you get a character to get up from the couch and walk across the room and open a door and go through it like that sounds like the easiest thing in the world but then when you sit down to write it it's stiff, it's awkward, it isn't what you want. He was just like, fuck this. Like, let me just find a different way to do this because this sucks, this isn't turning out. So my last chapter was about Sarat, my main character, taking all the pews in this church exhibit that she hangs out in all the time and turning them on end and standing them up like pillars. And then I actually kind of cut that chapter short. I didn't actually have her do it. I had her do it to the first one and then just say like, cool, all right, I bet I can do this to all of them. Art project time, end of chapter. And I was gonna kind of wait for the full reveal of that until the next time she was hanging out with Quailum, who is the alien guy that is her liaison on the ship. But that wasn't gonna be for another chapter or two. So I figured, fuck it, let's just pull the trigger on that now. How about she's just in the room, she's getting ready to leave for the day. And because it's a public place, it is a, an exhibit, have some aliens come in and be like, what's going on here? Why? What's? Why? And she could just be like, yeah, that's right. That's how we do it. We stand all our pews on the edge. Weird, right? We're weird aliens. Soak it in. Enjoy the culture. You know? All right, enjoy. I'm out of here. So I figured, okay, at the very least, let me just go sit on this log and look out at the bay and I might not have a lot of time before my hands freeze off, but let's at least just take that and write that down, just so I did something today. I'll just write that down point form and that'll be better than nothing, good enough. Just a little something is all I need to justify the day. And it turned into such a great example of why it's so important to work every day, even if it is just a little bit, because I probably did only sit there for 10 minutes and I did a thing that I do a lot where I start to write out notes point form. And just as I get rolling, I just inadvertently start to write. They just become a little more detailed and a little longer until I'm just, I'm just writing. And sitting down and writing really is so much different from conceptualizing of stuff. Because then as I was writing this stuff down, it's like, okay, let's just, so there, she had her little conversation with the aliens that came in. They didn't, weren't even speaking to her. They're just a little shell-shocked to see her there. They're surprised or whatever. She says some weird shit to them, you know, like, haha, yeah, this is what we do. 
enjoy, I'm out. And then I was like, okay, but what, just to cap off that scene, to be in that moment, like that's what's so great about the actual sitting down and writing, is you really gotta be in that moment. You can't just gloss over anything. So I'm like, okay, that's what she's gonna do. What about them? Like now let's take a moment to just be in their shoes, in the shoes of these aliens that came into this exhibit and are kind of confronted by this odd scene. What's their reaction? They could just say nothing, but then that is just way too much like, you know, like they're just little puppets in the puppet show, you know, just little background elements. And even though this story is very much just about my main character, it is totally just from her perspective about her time on this ship. You know, I still don't want the other characters to just seem like you know, the backdrop of a play, you know, I want them all to seem like they're actual characters and actual people. Give them their due, even if they're just side characters that only show up in one scene. So I was sitting on this log, looking out at the bay, looking out at the lights of the, the boats that are moored out there. Considerably more romantic than today's uh, <laughs> sitting at a McDonald's and writing. But I was sitting there thinking about like, okay, now let's put myself in this other character's shoes. Let's think about what they might say. And I just had this one little thing. This isn't going to sound like a big deal, but this idea like fucking just kind of destroyed the whole chapter, but in a good way. It completely took apart all the other ideas I had for this chapter is I just thought what if the character the alien says something like our heart goes out to you but not that because I don't want to use an idiom you know like our heart goes out to you what does that mean do these people even have hearts they're weird aliens and like my heart goes out to you what the fuck is that I remember like I didn't even really know what an idiom was well into my adult life. It was uh, this coffee shop job I had back in like 2004. There was this girl, Sunny Sung Hee from South Korea, who was taking English second language courses while she was here. And she asked me to help her with her idiom homework. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'll help you, but I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> she was the one who was with me when I met Ben Affleck at that coffee shop. She thought his name was Matt Damon, which sounds like a bad joke that I'm making up, but that's the truth. She knew who he was, you know. She knew he was from Pearl Harbor, but she thought his name was Matt Damon. So yeah, it was through her that I learned that things like, you know, don't blow your top, like these phrases are called idioms. <laughs> just one of the nice little things about your own language that you just don't need to know if you grew up with it, because you just use these terms, you don't need to know what they're called. So yeah, I was thinking like, what kind of, uh, what can I use as a version of that? That same kind of saying, but that isn't connected to an English idiom. It's surprising actually how sometimes idioms can cross over. Like I was watching a video once about German idioms and how similar a lot of them are. I guess, you know, they're all, these languages came from the same place. But yeah, it's a little much for an alien. So I basically just thought, why not just go extremely direct? Why not just say exactly what it is meaning to say, which is just, we feel pain for you. 
And I wrote that down and I like, I kind of, I got kind of upset. <laughs> like just being in that moment, thinking about that. Because really how this story has been is this character, she's a war orphan, her planet got destroyed, she's stuck on this space station. And seemingly no one cares about her. No one's particularly paying attention to her. If anything, the locals tend to be kind of annoyed by her presence when she gets in their way. And she was just kind of presuming that nobody cared about her. And that's kind of how all my notes have gone. That's kind of how my own thoughts about this story went until I thought of that, until I wrote down that sentence. And it just really changed everything. Like I started thinking of like, where this character's thoughts would go from here. You know, like she just, this would just be something she'd hear as she leaves the room. She hears one of them say it, she doesn't respond. She just keeps walking, but then that phrase hangs with her like why did that why did that alien say that to me why did she say we feel pain for you and she realizes like of course these people know who she is it was this giant galactic incident of a planet was destroyed you know she's a giant super tall rhino person on a ship full of jellyfish creatures like of course they know who she is, of course they know what happened, of course they know what her situation is. But it just never occurred to her before. And now suddenly she's kind of got to look at the ship and all the people on it in this different way. Like, they haven't outwardly been very seemingly accepting, they haven't been seemingly trying to help her. And maybe they're really not, maybe it's cultural differences, maybe it's some perceived bureaucracy or some social thing where they just are keeping their distance from her. Maybe it's even just as simple as like, well, I presume someone else has got that covered. It's not really my job. But suddenly she gets this awareness that there are people on this ship that even if it's just to say that, even if it's just like my thoughts and prayers, you know, like something that isn't actually actionable help in any way, but just the thought, that the thought is there, that somebody gives a shit. I was like, oh man, like, first off, I know that's got to be a good way to go, because even now, it just like, something about that really hits me. It's like, ah, that feels... <laughs> that feels. <laughs> doesn't have to feel like anything, it just feels. And it certainly changes the whole rest of the chapter. Like, all the other stuff I had was kind of, like, just my sort of, like, random notes that were floating around. Oh, this could happen, that could happen. Just kind of an interstitial chapter type of thing. And I'm a big fan of that stuff. Like, I, I don't really like it when people give writing advice that says, like, make sure every chapter has a distinct point and make sure every chapter adds to the conflict and raises the stakes. If you could take out a chapter and the plot of your story still works, then you should take it out. Like, I don't like that kind of advice. I really feel like that's just cookie cutter advice. I don't think you should do that at all. I think you should follow the flow of what you feel is the right thing to do and then 
ultimately later if you're looking through stuff and things are dragging and stuff's not working okay then maybe throw stuff away tighten stuff up but don't go into it that way you know go into it open go into it open to the idea that maybe you will write a chapter that doesn't have any point that is quote-unquote meandering maybe it'll be great maybe it'll be awesome maybe you'll think up ideas just from writing it don't cut that off at the past you know but on the other hand, I do kind of feel like my subconscious is kind of doing that for me. It's like, you know, I'm like a third of the way into this book, I would estimate. But maybe I'm actually more like halfway through. And my subconscious knows that, you know, like my subconscious is like, hey, these chapters that aren't going anywhere, we don't need these anymore. I know you've got a pile of notes you didn't get to and a ton of stuff you didn't use, but maybe maybe it's too late for all of that. Maybe none of that's going to work out because maybe that's not where we need to go anymore. You know, maybe, maybe the compass is starting to point very clearly in a specific direction and we got to go that way. Because as soon as this start of the chapter happened, where now instead of just here's an average day, an average day on the space station. Let's just go meander about and have some thoughts about the nature of being an outsider and whatever. <laughs> Let's just go do some stuff. Now it's like none of that fits with the tone of having this lingering thought in the back of your mind of like, does someone actually care about me? And then like, of course they do. And just unraveling that thought and kind of re contextualizing the whole environment that she's in and this whole situation she's in and maybe she has been reading it wrong. I mean, the chapter has to be about that now and I don't have any ideas for that. I don't have any notes. That's all just going to have to come as I go now, which is considerably more difficult but maybe easier at the same time too. Like, it's going to be slow, but it's going to be clear, you know? Like, it's going to be clear when I'm hitting on the vein, when I'm hitting on that feeling. So I don't really know where that's going to go yet. I did a little more writing today, but I didn't actually get beyond that scene. I just went and fleshed out those notes and made them all proper. But that's why it's so important to do at least a little bit of work. I only did 10 minutes yesterday, but that one thing changed this whole chapter and might speed up the flow of the whole book from here on in. It really feels like I'm, I'm hitting on something more fundamental. And I think it's gonna be tough to unravel and tough to figure out, but like the fact that that kind of like because then as I was walking back from English Bay, back to the SkyTrain, just thinking about like, why did that one line hit me so hard? Why did the idea of somebody saying, we feel pain for you, you know, like, we understand what you're fucking going through. Why did that hit me so hard? And I think it does kind of... This is where it's easy for me to get melodramatic about my own life, <laughs> but I've been talking a lot this week about like emotional intensity and feeling things strongly and how it seems like other people don't. It seems like I things hit me hard. But then when I think back through my life, it's like just due to the nature of my parents where my mom grew up with 11 brothers and sisters or 12 brothers and sisters, so fucking many real tough-ass Irish Catholic household. 
My dad grew up in semi-rural Quebec. Just weird French people. <laughs> Basically, there's no softness, really, in my household. It was always like, you stop that crying if you don't want to get spanked. No, like, what's wrong? Let me give you a hug. So there's that when things begin. And then there's school, where I just found school so fucking awful that, like, I just really think if, if anybody could have understood how much I had a bad time there, they wouldn't have made me go. You know, it's just because... I don't know, it's just because my mom just thought it was like I'm throwing some kind of Daria fit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just being a difficult teenager. If she could know, if she had known what it felt like, there's just no way she would have kept making me go. It was just so awful. But again, it's like nobody... The first time I was ever, like, mega depressed. I'd say it only happened, like, three times in my life. But the first time was in junior high school. It was awful. Like, it was depression like you read about, where it's like I couldn't remember that my life used to be good. There was no conception that it was going to be good in the future. It was all just awful. And for what? For school? Like, school. You don't even learn anything in school. Like, it just, it offends me to this day that I had to go through that for nothing, for no fucking reason. But, you know, I don't know. I tried to explain it to people. I tried to tell them. Nobody can understand. Nobody does understand. Nobody did understand. And then as an adult, it's just like... It's weird because at least as a kid you have enemies, <laughs> you know? As an adult it's like you have friends and you get in fights with your friends and they fucking... Ugh, you know, they just don't understand where you're coming from and you try to explain and it just goes awful and it just turns into this big awful thing and it's like, oh Jesus, why was I ever your friend in the first place? How did this go this bad? And in none of these cases, like this is where I know I'm just being dramatic or whatever and you know, maybe I'm just writing my own narrative. But in none of these cases, like, I just feel like nobody has ever understood. No one has ever cared. No one has ever asked how I'm really doing. Just no one cares. It's just how it is. Because even this, I feel like it's like people put forth this feeling like I shouldn't even be saying this. Like, oh, really? You think your life's bad? Oh, you didn't like school? Oh, you got in fights with your friends? Like, you don't have problems. Other people have real problems. <laughs> like, that's the overwhelming feeling I get from this society is like, you're not allowed to have problems. Your problems aren't valid. No one cares about your problems, 21st century North American. And hey, okay, sure. If that's how it is, that's how it is, you know? <laughs> Fine. But that's still in there, you know, that's a very, that's a rich fucking vein for me to tap. That is a deep fucking well. And I think that is going to serve me extremely well. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of why I'm writing this kind of story in the first place, you know, is like to take that feeling, to take that sense that I have of things, that, that longing for a thing that never happened, that longing for a kind of society that I'm not in and express that in a different way, through a story. I mean, now it's a fucking alien on a space station, but you know, it's all the same feelings. <laughs> it's all just metaphors. And I think you can't really, like, necessarily write a story with that type of thing in mind. Like, this is the idea I want to get across. This is the thing I want to present. Like, I feel like that's probably a mistake. I think it's better just to try to write a cool story and let that other stuff happen or not happen. 
But I think if you do really pay attention to yourself and what you're interested in and what you feel and like when I write that line and I feel that and I'm just kind of upset for the walk home, you know, I'm like, fuck, why is that fucking me up? Pay attention to that. Follow that, you know, go for that. And every time that happens while writing, go for that. Like, never, ever, ever write just for what maybe people will like. Never try to write for, like, what the most people will like. Like, don't write... Don't make corporate art. You know, let corporations do that. That's what they're for. That's not what you should do. What you should do is try to just focus in on yourself as much as you can. Pay as much attention to how you're feeling about what you're writing follow that as closely as you can and hopefully theoretically like the greatest thing that could happen that again I don't think you can necessarily aim for this it just has to be a side effect of trying to write the best story that you can but if I could be so fucking lucky as to write a story Where when someone else reads it who's like me, who has had that same feeling as me. Like the idea of that thing that has never been addressed. Whatever's inside you that no one has ever paid attention to. and no one has ever spoken to that part of yourself that you had to look after all by yourself because no one else maybe no one else cared because they just couldn't see it but for whatever reason no one else cared I mean, just imagine that. Imagine reading a story and just all of a sudden, you're not even expecting it, you're just reading a story and something inside you that nobody ever spoke to before, nobody ever saw, no one ever acknowledged, no one ever touched, ever. Suddenly someone else sees it. And I've had that feeling when I've read stuff. I've had that moment, I've had that experience, and that's why the other stuff doesn't work for me. That's why the other stuff I can't deal with, I can't be bothered with it, because not only is it missing the mark, it's not even trying. Like, it's not even attempting to do this thing that a story can do, that art can do. And when it can do something that powerful, that's the only reason to do it, you know? That's the fucking goal. And like, what if... What if my parents and my friends' parents and my teachers and all these people in my life, what if they had read a story at some point that helped them to understand the way that I am and the way things are for me. 
And what if that had helped them deal with people like me? What if that had changed how they think of things? What if that had changed how they see things? What if I can do that for other people? What if I can do that for future generations? And again, it's such an abstract goal and it's so... I mean, I'm really asking for everything here, you know? It would be easier to get a hundred million dollars to make a movie than to do this. I'm really just talking about like a miracle to pull off what I'm talking about. But it's possible. People have done it. People can do it and I could do it. And all I can do is just keep working away, just keep working every day and just try to do the best that I can and just hope that this type of thing comes through. But I think if I'm consistent, like if I just don't stop, if I just keep working day after day after day after day and I just pay attention and I don't fall back on platitudes, I don't fall back on cliche, I just really pay attention to what is important to me and what feels important to me. <laughs> Maybe that will come through. Maybe that will infuse itself into what I'm doing. And maybe if I just really can't do it, you know, maybe I'll move on to like a lecture series or something, you know? I'll just like, okay, forget trying to infuse this into a novel. It's just too hard and I just can't do it. But right now, that's the plan. That's what I'm trying to do. And it's just, yeah, it's weird that this particular... That somehow I set up this whole story for myself. I set up this whole situation I thought about it for a year. Now I've been working on it for months where every day I write this story. And this tiny little thing, this tiny little notion that maybe there are people that understand what this character went through. Maybe there are people that want to offer some kind of spiritual support, some kind of help, some kind of aid. It literally never even crossed my mind. until yesterday, until I sat on that log for 10 minutes and just sat down to, again, not to like put my fucking thinking cap on, just to jot down the notes that I'd been thinking about on the walk there. Just stick with it every day, man, every day. And you know, maybe the reason why I'd never had those thoughts, I never had that idea of that story going that way is just because, you know, that is kind of how I see, I see the world. I remember, man, it was like 2013, because it was when uh, the third Hunger Games movie came out. I remember I just had, like, the worst day in for fucking ever. And it was just like one of these days where I just... Where the world, in an emotional sense, you know, just the emotional landscape of North America and of this society that I'm in and of this life, it just felt like the wasteland. It just felt like fucking fallout. And I totally never recovered from that at all. It absolutely still feels like that, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, that's just how it is, though. That's just how it is. Well, you can go talk to a therapist, but how fucking depressing is that? You gotta pay someone money to listen to your problems? Like, that's just 
so depressing. That is so depressing that that's how it is. And I don't know, people in general, they got their own issues. They got their own problems. They just, what even can they do? It's like, not like the people I know have bad intentions. They just, they don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. No one knows what to do. We're all just weird, disconnected. Like North America is crazy fucked up, man. It is ridiculous. And that's why it was such a extra bummer to leave, you know, because that was kind of what really pushed me over the edge to start writing this story was going overseas. And I'm like, maybe this will be the place. Maybe this is where I'll fit in. And it was worse. It was worse. <laughs> like, there is no escape. There's no fucking escape. But again, like the melodrama, like, yeah, I was down about it real bad in 2013. Now, I mean, I've just adapted more. It's like, that's, that is just how it is. It's just how life is. But I can use it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> even if it is just my version of things, even if it is just my view, even if you somehow live in an amazing rainbow-filled wonderland that, but you don't. Unless you sleep in a longhouse with a tribe, you don't. You live in a weird, fucked up, disconnected, nonsense society, just like I do. But I can use that, you know, I can use that to fucking write the greatest goddamn book of all time. <laughs> or at least hopefully not a terrible book. Alright, I don't know. I mean, there you, I, I just, I don't want to just keep rambling about it. That was another thing I used to be way more into. I was way more into... Let's fucking touch upon the depressing side of life. Let's touch upon the tough things about life. And I'm just not as interested in that anymore. That is not as valuable to me anymore. But it's still there. It's still a thing. And yeah, yesterday I was just really reacquainted with it. Like, hey, remember that? Remember all that stuff? That still hurts, right? <laughs> that still feels pretty bad, right? And there's nothing better you can write about than that. Nothing better than fucking whatever fucking hurts and whatever is just unsolved. I can't even imagine what song of the day I should play <laughs> for that fucking rant. I guess the go-to would be to just play some depressing sad sack song, but man, fuck that. What should I play? Let's play Perfect People by Pennywise. That's a pretty fucking cool song. All the perfect people, shallow and deceitful, staring back at me from TV and magazines. Look so good like a pack of fresh ripped drinkies. What the hell happened to me? So I took a drive to rich and wealthy country forever.
Bill Charlo and the seagulls staring back at me on TV and magazines. Look so good like a box of fresh milk cookies. What the hell happened to me? So I took a drive to a rich and wealthy country. Saw everything I wanted and everything I need. Went right up and I tried to join the party. I'd see the look when they saw me. Fucked up eyes, stupid grin. Perfect people won't let me in. Who's who this? Where's my name? They will let me join their games. I bet you think that I'm insane. There's no one left for me to blame. Yeah, screw the perfect people. Fuck, they all look the same. They all look the same. They all look the same. Yeah, all look the same. We ain't much to look at. Too short, and so bad. Never gonna win a beauty pageant. It's a curse. Always gonna be a better gentleman at the best club. How can things be any worse? Fucked up eyes, stupid grin. Perfect people won't let me in. Losing this, where's my name? They won't let me join their games. They all look the same. They all look the same. Yeah, all look the same. Don't have much to go on. Don't much your opinion. Don't have much to gain, and I ain't got much to lose. Looks like you got it all, and I'd really like to get some. You got something I could use. Look the same. They all look the same. They all look the same. Yeah.